0: Hello, everybody out there. Chad Belding with another edition of This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast. Appreciate everybody out there joining us. I'm excited and fired up for today's episode, um, mainly because I feel this subject matter is so important, um, not just to a hunter, not just to a bodybuilder, not just to a Olympic swimmer, to everybody. A longevity, healthy, sustainable life is key, to success in my opinion what i mean by that is if i'm going to go hunt 120 days a year or 60 days a year down in arkansas for the mallard duck season i want my joints to feel good i want my muscles to feel good i i don't want to be exhausted every day and that's where today's guest comes in I've known this man since 2005 Um, he's a personal trainer in the northern Nevada area but that doesn't even come close to what his resume is on a national level with who he runs with who he trains with who he has helped become not just a better athlete or a better um performer but just an all-around better person and um somebody that's going to be more important to their community my guest is matt pandola from reno nevada pandola fitness matt appreciate you being here buddy
1: thanks jad love being here i really appreciate you having me on
0: and when matt says he appreciates something it's 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 one of those things to where when he and matt can talk to this a little bit but when you do what you do for a living you really do learn to appreciate what we've been given as far as our body goes and when i say that i don't want it to be taken for granted of well you know this is who i am and this is what i'm going to be and this is what i was given so this is all i have to work with you can become better you can become healthier, you can become stronger, and we're, we're gonna introduce our second guest here in a minute, but he's sitting right to your left, to my right, at 77 years old, he outperforms most people in your gym in, on a weekly basis, we're, we're, we're talking about Les Nesbitt, we'll get to him in a second, but a lot of people have seen him on The Foul Life and, and know who Les is, he, he's the man in my opinion, I'm so glad he came into my life, and he came into my life because of you, Matt, but talk to me a little bit about this lifestyle, and how important it is to being healthy.
1: Yeah, so I was one of those people that trained pretty hard. I had some pretty big ambitions. I wanted to go to the Olympics as a distance runner. I was definitely on my way, but I was in a lot of pain, and I had uh, a lot of problems as I started to pick up my volume, my intensity uh, for my marathon training, my half marathon training, that sort of thing. And at a very young age, I had some uh, serious problems with my mechanics. Nobody was able to give me the answers that I needed at the time. I went through a lot of rehab and went through a lot of different therapies. Nothing seemed to work. Eventually, I found my own way, and that's what sort of started Pandola Training. I realized that, geez, you know, this has worked for me, and I can help other people, so we decided to turn the training into something more of a lifestyle than just get in there and grind it out. And that's kind of what Pendola Training Health and Fitness is more about to me.
0: And <clears throat> excuse me, it's amazing to me, and I mean this, this is the uh, God's honest truth. If I had a Bible right here, I would put my hand on it. When I woke up this morning, my hips were in pain today because I've been, I've been back in the Midwest snow goose hunting. And this style of snow goose hunting, and Les can attest to this, is out of what they call a pit blind. It's built underground, and you're sitting in a squat position, but you're on a chair, but you're constantly raising up and down in a squat position, twisting your body, aiming your shotgun, turning and watching the birds work, jumping up and down out of the pit to recover the harvested birds, getting your dog in and out. And I woke up, I just got back yesterday, and I was, I was like, man, I don't know if I want to go to the gym today. My, my, my hips hurt. And I walked in there, I hadn't said a word to you in a week and a half. And the workout was going to be geared towards hips and mobility. And we started the workout off and I hadn't said a word. I'm like, how in the hell did he know my hips were in pain? And it's just that's such a cool thing to me and a cool vibe that here I am three hours later now, after I woke up in that kind of pain, at 43 years old, and I feel like a million bucks that I could go run a marathon right now. So tell me, what was your mindset? And I know that you can't say, well, I read your mind, Chad, but why, why did we start the workout, workout off like that? And what do you see the benefit in that?
1: Yeah, so for my aging athletes, which that's kind of the group that you're in, I'm always thinking about postural health first and foremost. So we kind of talked about this earlier today in the session, but the first half an hour that we get into the training we're really looking at postural health we're looking at correcting our posture because i know that we have desk jockeys right and we have people who are in restricted positions and they're basically getting themselves into bad positions for long periods of time so you already explained your why to me you know why is the training important well all of the things that you did in the last week and a half or so those things need to be addressed right and and most of the people coming into the gym they're in bad positions way too long right because we're not out there hunting and gathering all the time as much as we'd like to stay active and and uh, keep our bodies healthy the truth is that a lot of our day is spent in bad positions so it's not a coincidence i just kind of think of the first half an hour or so about correcting postural positions for hips for shoulders how do we really recruit our core in daily movement and that is a very misunderstood topic to me you know people think of their abs right and and they think about uh, okay I've you know done a bunch of crunches today uh, I'm correcting that position well no if you look at a uh, I like to use the example of a can right so if you take a can and it's empty and you put 10 pounds on top of that can it's going to be able to stabilize and sustain that weight but if you just put a little dimple in front of that can or in back of the can right that 10 pound weight is now going to crush that can it's going to fold the can over and that is essentially your transverse abdominus your core your spine right all of that is involved between your shoulders and your, and your hips. So what we need to do is we need to look at how we can get movement back where it should be. And there's something called, um, joint alignment that we look at and we have our body as a stack of joints, right? So our ankles, our hips, our shoulders, they should be moving obviously in their uh, designated or orientated directions, the way that they're meant to, to work and move. But if you have a restriction in your shoulder, let's say, then going down the line, you could feel that a lot more in your lower back, right? Or if you have a restriction in your ankle, you could feel that in your knee. So we have to look at getting those joints moving as they should and stabilizing as they should, And if we do that then we're going to be able to move properly and use our core so to kind of sum it up we want to be able to move our hips with our shoulders but most people aren't doing that going back to that dimpled can scenario they've got some sort of a uh, crease in their hips for example right or a break in their spine somewhere where they're not going to be able to move properly until we correct that, until we teach that to the nervous system. So our body needs to get realigned and then we need to go through the proper movements in order to strengthen that postural position so that we can move without pain.
0: And and when you break it down like that, it makes a ton of sense. But here, here's the reality of it is I'm pretty educated as far as you know high school and, and college and secondary education and and um growing businesses and and think in and, and being out there and learning from society having that common sense but when you talk about the science of the body when it comes to posture and joints and mobility and all that here's the why in my opinion is as a quote unquote aging athlete I'm probably not going to sit down and learn all that and that's why guys like myself less a lot of other people pay Matt Pandola because you know that. So when I come to your gym and you're telling me to take a PVC pipe and lay down and put it in this crease by my hip bone. And I'm like, what? I don't even ask that anymore because I already know that there's a why there. And here I am feeling a hundred percent better. And when you say why like that, when you look at some of the achievements that you've had, you talk about a why like right now you're 45 years old, right? Yes. And you look like you're 25. And you told me your why this morning is you're getting ready to try to make a personal best of four minutes and 50 seconds on a mile. And I'm like on a bike or in a car and you're like, no running. And I'm like four minutes and 50 seconds. I mean, I understand when you're in Kenya and no offense and you weigh 110 pounds, but you're, you're muscular. You probably weigh 180, 80, 185 pounds. Yes. I it. mean, you're not like a, you don't look like a marathon. There's guys out there like Cam Haynes and these guys that aren't built like marathon runners, but they have the endurance of a, they just, the, he can run a hundred miles. He does these ultra marathons. So you have won and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you won the elite Spartan world championships and were a runner up at the U S duathlon nationals at 40 years or plus.
1: Right. For master's division to be clear. But yes, yes, I did. Um, and you know, the, 450 mile was just a good goal for me to go after at 45. It just kind of sounded like a a good number. Um, Hopefully I can hit that. But, you know, you need a why. You need goals no matter what your age is. And certainly when I was an elite marathoner, uh, half marathoner, I could do 450 miles back to back to back to back. But, you know, at 45 years old now, that's a true challenge for me to kind of get back to that. And I want to prove to myself I can do that.
0: So when we talk about that why, Matt, it's so important to have an understanding of that because my why is not to run a four minute and 52nd mile. When I go hunting, I love to be able to lay in a ground blind in a sit up position and be able to watch the birds come in and say, get them and be able to sit up and, and start shooting and do that a uh, hundred times a day, however many times a day it is and not be in pain. And then I jump up out of that blind, just like a, a drill that would be in the gym of a box jump or a one-legged squat or something. I jump up, I'm, I'm, I'm jogging or sprinting to the birds because I got to get them back or I got a dog out there. And I want to bring less into this, guys, less Nesbit. Less, you're 77 years old and you lay on these ground blinds with me. How important is match training at your age now? And you're 30 years older than me and I and when I say that, I don't say it lightly because he's hard to keep up with in the gym. You hit a heavy bag with this guy, he's going to smoke you. You hit a speed bag with this guy, he's going to smoke you. If you get hit by this guy, he's going to smoke you. So at 77, I ask Less all the time, why are you in here? Why are you doing this at almost 80 years old? Just talk to me a little bit about why are you doing it, Less, and does it help you through your hunting season?
2: Absolutely. I, I started with Matt 17 years ago, and I tried to work on my own probably two or three years prior to that. And I would be very similar to that can with the little dimple in it when I was trying to do it myself. Uh, I couldn't achieve what I wanted to in a short period of time to get ready for a haunt, so I, I started working with Matt. And uh, over the years, he's, co- he's corrected a lot of issues I've had, two knee replacements, shoulder replacements and various injuries I've had through hunting and with all the other things he does besides working on the injuries I've had is uh, he gets your core body good and you besides all this he gets your mental attitude that you feel comfortable and you have confidence that you can do what you want to do. In the case with getting out of the out of a ground blind or layout blinds is very difficult Uh, and you'd think you could go do 100 setups and be able to set up in a a ground blind, but that isn't the case. There's lots of parts of your body that need to be worked out so that you you can move in any way that's necessary for that particular animal or bird that you may be hunting. Um, And it's extremely important to get your mindset good, that you feel good, you feel great, and you go out there with physical confidence of what you can do. If you're on a sheep hunt, and you know you've got to do, uh, which I ran into this situation earlier this year. I was doing 14, 15 hour, high, uh, hour long hikes, uh, carrying a 20 pound pack. I mean, it was really tough, but I had told Matt what I was going to do this year. And he worked around that and gave me exercises to do and worked on certain strengths that I would need to be able to do that. Without that physical ability, and the mental uh, strength that he gave me knowing that I can uh, was very beneficial.
0: And when you say beneficial, Les, you, you drew a desert sheep tag in Nevada. It took you a long time to do it, 37 or 38 years, I believe. Yeah,
2: somewhere right in that neighborhood.
0: It was the last animal for you to complete your North American Grand Slam, correct? Or had, Super Slam. Super Slam. So you have, you have harvested every North American animal and, you, and you're, you're a member of the Super Slam of North America Club, correct?
2: Um, every, every animal in North America recognized by Boone and Crockett as what? a—, as a, as a uh, So
0: that's a polar bear, a grizzly bear, an elk. Yeah,
2: there's five species of caribou. There's, you know, various um, different—there's four species of bear, etc.
0: And at 77 years old, and I want everybody to pay attention to this part, what was the altitude you were at when you shot that desert sheep in Nevada?
2: I'm guessing I was at 11 to 12 11,000 feet anyway
0: 11,000 feet above sea level and I'm going to say it again at 77 years old, it's not normal. And it's, it, it can be genetics. You can relate it to anything, but I know Joe or I know less very well in the last three years. And he has the right, what I call the RMA, my football coach growing up that coach clay and Clint and all of us in the Belding clan, um, Ken Cass taught me about RMA, right? Mental attitude. Bigger, faster, stronger. But bigger did not necessarily always mean you had to have big biceps. It meant that you had to have a big heart. It meant that you had to have a big passion. And then you would become faster and stronger. And that's what Les is talking about. To strive like that and to, to have to climb to 11,000 feet. Keep your heart rate At a sustainable level, to where you can look through a scope and keep your breathing in order. Matt, tell me a little bit about how training is so important. Because when I get the adrenaline and I get that the hair on the back of my neck, goosebumps—no pun intended—when those birds are working in, or or you know I'm I, I got a fly rod and I'm catching fish, I get fired up. You know that's what I love to do, and I know that's what Les loves to do. But you still have to keep it in check and be ready to perform. And if you're not ready to perform and you're out of shape and you're breathing heavy and your heart rate's at 150 beats per minute. Mine's more like 90 or hundred when I'm fired up. And that means that I've trained my body to stay in shape, right? Or talk to me about how important heart rate is and why you always stress. And you even, in my early days of training, you made me wear a heart rate monitor in every workout.
1: Yeah. Heart rate is important and conditioning is often misunderstood as well. I feel like a lot of people are doing conditioning that doesn't relate to their why. So good example, what you're just talking about, you got to be able to bring your heart rate back down. So we talk a lot of times in our training circuits about being able to breathe nasally or being able to breathe with our proper mechanics so that we're really breathing in and out with good form and good control, not just ju- not just gasping for breath and trying to uh, catch your breath as much as you can, but controlling your movements and controlling your heart rate As you uh, go between sets, work sets, you actually have a job to do right now, which is to bring your heart rate back down. You know, so a good example to me is a football guy that I've been working with lately to where, you know, he had some injuries that he was dealing with. It came very quick and obvious that the conditioning work that he was doing didn't make sense, right? Football, for example, is an alactic sport, right? The average play is five to 10 seconds. Right. So, you know, you're you're working with an athlete who needs to be very explosive for a very short period of time, for example. But with this kid, you know, he's doing runs at a mile long or longer. Right. For conditioning. Or he's doing drills that are, for example, hundred and seventy meter repeats on a track, which doesn't correlate to football very well at all. You know so I learned from a guy, Joe DeFranco, who's like a titan in our industry about uh, conditioning football players, especially a little bit more, to where you're really looking at um, the sport itself and the average time that you're, you're playing, which is again five to 10 seconds in that scenario. So you know, why are you going to work on steady state stamina for 20, 30 minutes, right or longer? So once we started incorporating these kind of explosive drills into this kid's training, and we started to learn how to recover our heart rate and bring our breathing back down in between sets, not only did his injuries go away, but the speed that he wanted came and it actually came pretty quick and and easily. So whether you're a hunter or you're a football player, you got to ask yourself, why is this important for me right now? And am I doing the right thing? Right, so for me, uh running a four fifty mile, yeah, I have to do more steady state stamina work because that's part of my why, but it's not a part of a football player's why for a hunter Les, for example, does do a lot of steady state stamina work, right he's out there, he's hiking. He's doing some biking, he's doing some work there where he's keeping his heart rate at what's called MAF, right, maximum aerobic function, and he's learning to control his heart rate so it doesn't get too high, but he can recover quickly, and so for somebody like Les, you know, his bouts are going to be more along the lines of bringing his heart rate back down so he can control his breathing so he can make that precise shot without letting his breathing get in the way. Right, and I'll let Les speak on that a little bit more. But I think that with what was it two heart attacks, Les, before you started
2: training? I had one heart attack, and then I um, I got adhesions around the stent, so it was actually just one heart attack. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, prior to going and, and and coming to see you, I had the heart attack, tried working out, and uh, then met you at I think twenty four hour Fitness at the time, and we uh, worked on that worked on that worked on my conditioning for that and and the knee replacements and the Achilles tendon were all big parts of what I wanted to do.
0: And it's when you say, when you start talking about the word injury, I think my mindset now is that my shoulder gets a little pain in it. And before I'd be like, man, my rotator cuff, because I had reconstructive surgery playing college baseball and tore my rotator cuff and my labrum. I'm like, Oh my God, I tore it again. Oh, it's and then I go in and I do the drills you teach me on the rolling out, and getting to those different points and, and touch points in there and by myself, because of your leadership and show me how I can get rid of that pain to where my mindset before was I'm injured. I don't want to work out today because I'm going to hurt it worse. Well, in reality, the first 30 minutes of our workout is a, is like a complete curing process that pain's gone. And now I feel like even a stronger athlete to where my hamstrings hurt one day, but then the, the, that day, after the curable 30 minutes, I'm doing a 42-inch box jump at 43 years old, which I would have never thought in a million years I can do. And and I'm not trying to brag or anything, Matt, but I, I weigh 208 pounds right now. When I came to see you, I was about 225. I'm 208 pounds to where I can go all day now. I can... I, I can just keep the fight going and going and going and just talk a little bit about that, about a guy that's built like me. I'm not going to have a, an eight pack of abs all ripped up with and and have a ton of vascularity and veins coming out of me, but I'm happy with the way I look. I'm even happier with the way I feel. And I'm even happier than that. The way I perform on a daily basis, both mentally, physically, and emotionally. So when you see a guy like me do a 42 inch box jump, are you surprised? Or are you just like, well, that that's every day in this gym
1: now that's that's definitely not every day, and you know you deserve credit as you know Les also deserves credit for the fact that this is a daily commitment, right? So you have to do what we call your personal protocol and you have to stay on top of what it is that your body needs from you each and every day, and that allows us to get more work done in the gym. but I will also preface by saying that I'm not slamming something like CrossFit. I know a lot of people will get angry and send in uh, you know, hate emails because I don't like cross training or don't like CrossFit or that sort that's, that's not necessarily the, the truth. I, I love the culture that something like CrossFit has, but the fact is that you know people are doing circuits, they're doing training that really does not equate to their why or their goals. Like you said, you don't want to be in pain. You want to feel like you can go all day doing what you love to do. And a lot of these programs, they're just not built for the why they're built for more of the overall idea that it gets people off the couch it gets people uh, exercising and training every day but they're simply oftentimes doing way too many of the bells and whistles so those box jumps you mentioned you know those are those are good in small repeats and those are good once we've gone through that 30 minutes of correcting your posture Right, but we don't want to do those every single day, and we don't want to do those for a hundred, right? And so we co- we go back to that equation of what do you need? What is this really doing for you and your eventual goals or your current why? And that's what's important about the training to me, is that each individual in there is addressing their why, but without over training, without overdoing it, without overadrenalizing you know so a lot of our athletes that have very specific goals they're doing themselves a disservice by doing just the general workout of the day without really addressing what their body needs or what they need it for so again you know i think a lot of people are in uh, pain because they don't move enough and then they start moving they start getting into shape they start uh, oftentimes doing a program that's actually over adrenalizing them or causing their bodies to, uh, under recover. I call it right. So they're always, always chasing their recovery where, whereas we try to give the body just enough dose so that it has to respond and get stronger. So that it can accomplish these things that you want to accomplish, but we're not doing it to the point where you can't recover from it. And I think that's the takeaway is you've got to be able to recover from what you're doing, or you're not going to adapt and get stronger and benefit from it.
0: And and when you talk like that, I hear, and and I remember back in the days of teenager and young twenties, mid twenties, how much you bench, you know, how much you squat. And in your gym, you never hear stuff like that. Right. And to me, you've always stressed two words, which are, are purposeful practice. And if somebody picks up on those words and they really dissect them, really why, what is your purpose and why are you even practicing in the first place? And that's how my mindset is, is that when I walked into the gym today and I go in there and I see what you call the culture and I love culture and the culture of that place is success. And it's always nobody is in there to be the best. Nobody's in there to be better. Let me say that they want to be their best, but they're not trying to be better than anybody else. Cause if I went in there with the mindset, like I'm going to smoke this 77 year old today, I'd be an idiot. Right. And now I'm in there today with Joey Gilbert, who was on the contender with Sylvester Stallone and sugar Ray Leonard, and was very strong in boxing coming up as a prof- amateur and a professional. The dude is an athlete and I can keep up with Joey now. And we're both, you know, around that 40 age mark. And purposeful practice is so in, in important to a guy like Les or myself because I want to be able to shoulder that shotgun. I want to be able to shoot it a bunch. I want to be able to pull back my bow. I want to be able to drive a mud motor with my left arm and have strength in my shoulder and stability. And people say, well, that doesn't sound that hard. Well, it beats you up when you're doing it for 120 days in a row. And I'm not trying to say, wah, wah, my life is, my life is awesome. I love doing what I'm doing. But if I wasn't having that mindset that Les was talking about before and that RMA, that right mental attitude that you teach us, you could very easily say, I'm not going today. Well, not going doesn't count. And it's the same mindset that I have in the gym. I, and, and that's is where I want to go with this is per, purposeful practice. And what you teach us is we pay you a certain amount of money a month. It's just like college. Nope. My professors never came and knocked on my dorm door or my apartment door when I missed class because they didn't care. It's on your own. And now at 43, here I am back in that same mindset that Matt gives me a drill to do or less. And then he turns his back and he, he, he knows he, he watches us enough that, you know, that our, our, our technique is there and our form is there, but you don't babysit us. We could quit at any time. But the right mental attitude has me now saying, I'm not going to quit because I want, I'm want. i in here for a reason. I'm in here for a purpose. And that purposeful practice is, I think if somebody wakes up every morning and they say, today I'm going to do this with purpose, it just makes everything fall in line the better way. Because right now, leaving the gym today, I truly felt in my heart, with my skin, that I could go out and achieve anything. And I think that in America, with the way that we're, we have the ability or the opportunity to go do what we want, we have to capitalize on that and i truly feel that i do and your training is a big part of that so i want i want you to talk just a little bit on short-term and long-term goals and 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 apply it to what Les does is at eleven thousand feet his goal was to to harvest the sheep with a clean ethical harvestable shop to where the shot where there was no crippling of that animal and at 77 years old hiking up that mountain his preparation was there and now it was time to perform. And talk to me a little bit about purposeful practice and short and long-term goals.
1: Yeah, so when Les first started training, we had a few things that we had to work on right away. He had a couple knee replacements, he had the heart issues that we already talked about. And so we had some immediate goals that we had to work on. And I definitely felt like the first year was the hardest to get through. We had to make sure that he was getting into a better position, obviously, and we had to get his heart healthy and strong again. But people think about, for example, the 10,000 hour rule got really popular, right? So people started talking a lot about that, right? Put in 10,000 hours, and you're going to uh, reach, you know, whatever status that you think of as being optimal in 10,000 hours for whatever goal that is and that's not really true, right? Because if it's not 10,000 purposeful practice hours, then you're probably not getting better at what you're doing. So, for example, you know, I have a runner who's running 20 miles a week but it's not purposeful practice and they're not getting their position stronger for their gait and then they increase it to now 30 and 40 and 50 and 60 miles a week, but they're not getting faster and they don't understand why. Well, they're certainly getting in their 10,000 hours, but it's not purposeful, right? They're not paying attention to their glute, for example, pushing the ground away when they run. So relating it to Les, a lot of Les's issues with his knee came from a weak glute. And you look at this guy and you're like, he does not have a weak glute, right? Well, not today. What is a glute? <laughs> is that the buttocks? The buttocks, the yes. Buttocks, okay. Yes, yes. So yeah, so with, with Les, for example, we did a lot of work in the initial year of his training where we had to activate that glute. And we had to activate that glute in a way that it was going to communicate with the rest of his muscles, okay? But he was very front-loaded or quad-dominant when he first started training. So the the initial goal was more directed around glute activation for his knee. And I always had him wear a heart rate monitor, especially in the first couple of years where he did a lot of... Phil Maffetone is the guy who came up with a lot of the, this type of almost... Um, maximum aerobic functional training where you take 180 and you subtract your age and you make sure that you're staying in that zone well initially with less we had him at you know 120 to 135 beats a minute in the beginning we had to get very comfortable in that zone why Well, getting to your long-term goal that we're talking about and being able to make that um, precise shot when it counted with, without hurting the animal. And that is something that Les was able to do because of years and years of practice and training and building on that heart. And to the point where, Les, you could jump in here, but you told me a couple years ago, a few years ago, that you had a heart stress test done and uh, that your doctor had told you uh, that your heart had um, been like a 25-year-old at that point.
2: Uh, th- that's true. Uh, my cardiologist, um, who is a friend of mine, the last time I saw him, he told me that uh, uh, for at that time I think I was 76, he said for a 76-year-old guy, you're in the top uh, 1% of people your age. And he says, I only, only give you the 1% because everybody dies from something. So... Uh, It's worked quite well, what you've done, and and the uh, cardiologist knows your program. And I think he had a daughter at one time that was a runner in there. Um, He would be a little concerned about different things I was doing as far as weight, certain amounts of weight, and and straining my heart. And then finally he said, well, never mind, whatever you're doing, you just keep doing what Matt has you do because it's progressing quite well. And it did – it strengthened my knees, strengthened my heart, and – Well, you say, you
0: say strengthen his heart, Matt here. When Les says that he had a heart attack right? and everybody that hears and my dad passed away of a heart attack and my grandpa, my dad's dad passed away of a heart attack. So it's no secret that that's an issue. And I've talked to Les about that subject many a times and he's lined me up with the same cardiologist and uh, at 43 I'm staying on top of it more than I probably should. I'm a little bit anal about it, but I want to be 77 and still going to the gym with you and still going hunting with at, at, at like less is doing. And when he says that uh, the top 1%, that's, that's a why right there. That's why I want to do this because at 25, you don't think like that. And as you start to just creep up and become a quote unquote, again, aging athlete, I do. I, I look at people in their 60s, 60s young. My mom's 63. She's beautiful. She's active. Every one of our parents that are my age or are are, are reach you know, coming close to seventy and they're all still so active. They're skiing and they're participating and working out and bowling and traveling. And now you got less that's approaching eighty and he beats all of them tenfold. And I see it every day by his travels, his hunting, the way he's nonstop. He He's a very successful entrepreneur and business owner. He's had that right mental attitude his entire life. And now at 77, he continues to apply it on a daily basis. And that's what I feel I take out of the training more so than I can do a 42-inch box jump. Or I, I have my name on the wall. I'll brag a little bit. of a 4.09 sled push, which you said is amazing. So when I look at that, I'm like that's cool. But what's cooler is that I take away every day that I want to attain that kind of a goal of being 77 and still going to Alberta to chase the migration. To me, that's awesome. You agree?
1: Oh, I I definitely agree. And, you know, I know some of your listeners are probably thinking, well, how does this, you know, relate? And and how can I use this information? But with less, I like to bring forward the point that I believe it was probably about two weeks into his training. I think he almost quit. You know, we're doing uh You know, I don't want to swear on the podcast, but we call it ballerina bull, you know, uh, the rest of the word. And, and, you know, that's what Les called it at the time because he didn't understand why he had to do all this uh, balance and stability work. He wanted to be able to you know, do the bells and whistles, like I say, and with the heart rate training, it was the same thing. You talk about purposeful practice and long-term goals. Well, Les can do some pretty intense, high intensity type of training now. And he (coughs) keeps up with the big dogs at the gym, like yourself and Joey Gilbert, world-class athlete, right? he can keep up and he can do this, but he has the base now. 20 years ago, when he started this route, he didn't have the base. Right. So people want to kind of do the sexy stuff. They want to do the high intensity interval training, right? They want to g- jump right to that stuff because that's bragging rights or something, right? But where Les didn't quit is when, where many do, right? It's the stuff that you don't want to do a lot of times that you have to face it and say, this is where I need more work done. And Les did that. He did the ballerina bull work and he did the steady state stamina or the Phil Maffetone, uh maximum aerobic function type of work. And he did that until he built up a big enough base where now we had such a big base, like a pyramid, we could work on the peak and getting up there to that ultimate why of everything that we've discussed about his hunting goals.
0: And, and here's some, here's some cool, a uh, cool thought process that I'm, that's going through my mind right now. Tell me if you can dig on this a little bit. And right now in america is one of my favorite times of year and i wasn't a wrestler but in my my entire life i've wanted to be <clears throat> i should have been I, if i had it all over to do again i would have started wrestling with luke and joe sellers and and bo and jake and all the sellers boys at wooster high school back in the day and they were like they were considered the pioneers of wrestling in northern nevada and now, this time of the year, it's the NCAA National Championships, and it's happening in Cleveland, Ohio this week, and I pay full attention to it. All season long, I watch the wrestlers, the rankings, and and now I'm so excited to watch it this weekend because it's, it's the titles. And you talk about a sport where you're on your own, right? And this is where I'm going with this. is You're out there, the light's on, and it's just, it's just one, mono and mono, right? You against one other dude. But what people don't forget is that on that Penn State team, on that Ohio State team, they got coaches that been there, done that. They're behind the scenes now, and they don't, they're, they're not looking for the credibility. But when you start looking and digging and dissecting what those coaches achieved on a, a high school level, a collegiate level, an Olympic level, Olympic medalists winning the gold medal for our country, um, you can look up yourself, like the head coach of Penn State, and I don't need to say his name. I mean, if you follow wrestling, you know who he is he's really the reason these kids are performing because his recruiting efforts are bringing them there. And then his approach is like yours, the right mental attitude that they can go out and achieve this. And I think they've won four national championships in a row. And this year they're not favored. Um, Ohio state's favored right now, but, and I think I'm correct on that, but it's going to be an awesome weekend to watch wrestling. And the reason I'm going here is that those kids, the credit is going to the program, the coach, in country music, Garth Brooks sings an unbelievable song or some, or one of these big time hit makers sings a big song. The songwriters are the one that wrote that song, that had that in their heart, the passion to write that song. Yeah, George Strait puts his voice to it. But if you look up the name Dean Dillon, he's written, I don't know, maybe 20 or 30, 40 number one hits. And a lot of those were George Strait. But nobody really knows who Dean Dillon is unless you dissect that industry and really want to learn it. And that's what I attribute to you is that I go out and I, 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 I'm very successful in being able to be on tv and and have an awesome crew and a great business and brands les goes out and he's a member of the north american grand slam club at 77 years old i keep saying that because it's amazing but behind the scenes we have this this foundation of Pendola fitness and i know that there's other training all over and you give and I, that's what i love about you matt is that you always are giving credit where it's due to your your mentors and who like coach bobby mcgee and people can Look, I'm having a hard time breathing today because I'm so excited about this. But, you know, we have a foundation in Reno that allows us to come back after being on the road 20 or 30 days and come back to that gym and be accepted back into into the culture and get healthy again and feeling great again and being able to achieve even more. So that's what people have to understand is that are you disciplined enough to go and wake up every morning and go work out? Well, yeah, I get up and I go and I do. But is it purposeful? And is it the right exercises? And now unless can can tell tell everybody this less when we're in north dakota and we're starting the season off what do i do i open the tailgate and i put a cooler on the ground and i put a tire on the ground and i got the tailgate down and i got a jump rope and what and we're on a dirt road in the middle of rural america the back roads of america and what are we doing
2: we're jumping rope and and Picking up weights,
0: working out and doing, and doing, I got a lift on my truck and I can jump up on that tailgate repeatedly. We do box squats on our, on our, on our camera cases. We do stuff, one legged squats on our coolers. You know, these coolers are strong enough now to where you can sit a 700 pound piece of metal on them and they're fine. So you can, my point is, is that we have this foundation now where we can come back to Reno and take it on the road with us. And we owe a lot of credit to you and your, and your infrastructure and what you do. Just like you owe a lot of credit to guys like myself or Les or, or your wife is, an, and you can talk about her. Aaron is amazing with, with what you do and what you preach. But it goes both ways. And people have to understand that, yeah, you can wake up and do this on your own but is it the best thing that you should be doing at that time? Are you really achieving that purposeful practice and those long and short-term goals? So that's what I take out of it. And that's the mind, pro- that's the thought process that I'm going through right now is, is these wrestlers are getting ready to go under that spotlight. If somebody's getting ready to have another, another number one hit on the radio, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes people that, that don't want the credit and don't seek the credit like yourself, but they deserve all the credit in the world because they continue to let people like us strive for excellence. And that's where training comes in and what this lifestyle this choice it's a choice to live this do i want to eat an extra large pizza with pepperoni on it right now guaranteed i do but the mindset is that's not the right thing to do and I, i won't do it now that's not saying that i won't have a bite of pizza with my daughter next week because I'm not, I'm not going to just cut out everything in my life, and your philosophy doesn't make you do that. So we can talk about that kind of stuff all day, but there's so much that goes into this lifestyle. I, can, I I'm passionate about it, and I don't know the first thing about training, but I listen to you, and I know that <clears throat> my, my, I'm achieving something because I feel great every day.
1: Yeah, you, you earned me some uh, points there with with Aaron and my wife, Aaron. She's uh, amazing. She's one of those people that she's really supported me and so i've been able to really grow my business and she's sacrificed a lot we have a daughter little girl mia and mia is 6 years old now and it takes a lot to be able to you know have a family and still have a balanced lifestyle and at the same time you know pursue all of these goals which i'm lucky enough to call this my passion not my job and so it's it's people like yourself and less that really get me up in the morning and it keeps me going Uh, i never ever imagined when i was in my teens that this is what i would be doing for a a living i haven't worked a day since i started this and that was 17 years ago now before before that i was hot shotting i was doing um a lot of work with the forest service and I enjoyed that it was a good challenge, but it was definitely work. And I definitely wanted to have more of an impact on the world. I guess, you know, everybody wants to feel like they're making the world a better place. And I've been very fortunate to be able to to do that. But I wouldn't be able to do it at the level that I am without clients like yourselves and without my wife to support me. She's also an amazing trainer. And you know she's one of those people that really encourages me to learn more, to do more. She gives me the freedom to do that and she gives me the support to do that. So very much in debt to her and I'm very much in debt to my clients because like you said, Chad, it's it's because of clients like yourselves that I'm able to do this for a living. I wouldn't be able to do it without clients like yourselves. And with Pandola Training, a lot of people think of it as, an athletic training facility, which of course it is, but I don't really care how good an athlete is when somebody walks in there. And I think of everybody as an athlete. We just have to find what kind of an athlete you that's are.
2: Awesome. I love that.
1: Right. And that's, that's something that I talked about even recently, a gal named Chris and who actually, wonderful wonderful gal she started up kaya Fit, and she's one of my clients at the gym working with me on her gate for her running right now and we talked about that process and she feels the same way with with her kaya Fit program just really encouraging people to find a better version of themselves and if people have that attitude to me that's all i need When you walk in the gym, you wanna be a better version of yourself, you're willing to put in the work, then I wanna work with you. And so do people like Kristen and so do people like Aaron. So we're very grateful to have that kind of a mindset in the gym, but it is a part of the culture, like you were saying before. We need that as part of our culture, right? So if somebody doesn't have that attitude, I don't care if they're a great athlete. I've had elite athletes that I've fired in the gym. You, you, you no longer, you no longer train here. I've seen it. Right. And you know, we won't name names, but some pretty, pretty good athletes because they don't have the attitude. They just happen to be very talented, very good at what they're doing, but that's not going to contribute to our culture. And I'm jumping around a little bit here, but this a couple months ago, with our Pandola project team, which is our racing team, we had a bunch of kids go to the Boise national qualifiers and three of my kids won the individual races for national qualifiers and 17 kids medaled. That was a highlight for me, not as in bragging rights as a coach, but to see the evolution that these kids made. And when you talk about somebody wanting to be a better version of themselves, one of my kids, Rosie Linkus, she won the 800 Open, and she was uh, one of the faster times in the nation that day for, for the 800 Indoor. And she also placed second in the mile. She was one of those kids when she first started out that was running actually JV times. And I'm not exaggerating that. To where she was not really even getting down the track without having to stop because she needed to catch her breath. I remember her first workout ever where it was almost her last day, but she didn't have it in her to quit. She wanted to be a better version of herself and two years of hard work. And she was number one, right? Going from a kid who couldn't even qualify for a meet like that to a kid winning that race to see that evolution in a person is what it's all about. To me, Uh, I will never, ever forget watching her win that race, not because she won, but because of the person who crossed that finish line. It was, it's such an emotional moment. And those are the type of moments that make it all worth it. And I just can't speak enough about the type of people that these champions are because they're champions more than just as an athlete, they're champions as a person, right? Better people make better athletes. And because of those better people like Rosie, uh, Alexis Melendrez, who's now a two-time state champion, you know, Eric Turner, who, who won the two mile at Boise, those kind of kids, they have made that culture so special and so unique that when kids join that program, they are not only wanting to be a better version of themselves, but they see what's possible right in front of them because other kids have done it who weren't necessarily the most talented, right? And I have very, very talented athletes like Gabby Williams. She's, you know, the captain for UConn, obviously one of the best basketball players in the country. So much talent. But one of the things that she really hates is when somebody attributes their success to talent right? no I've,
0: I've been in the gym with gabby she's a worker
1: she's a worker and so much so that you know uh, i love the story that she tells when she was younger she did things with her left hand just so she'd work more on coordination like eating with her left hand instead of her right hand those kind of things she worked on from the time she was a little kid so you know she was constantly striving to be a better version of herself so any kid, any talent level, any adult, any talent level doesn't matter to me. What matters is, are you working to be a better version of yourself? If you are, you're part of our culture. You're part of our success. You're the reason why Aaron and I get up in the morning and do it.
0: And, and what's cool about that is that, you know, people out there listening and, and people that I run across is it, maybe it's not for you and that doesn't matter. I'm not gonna say that I'm better than anybody in this world because I work out with Matt Pandola and Les Nesbitt, but I'm becoming a better version of myself. And that's what matters to me in life is that as you as you start to get a little bit older and older and a little bit more mature, and and you you have a daughter like I do, and I see how she is at seven years old, and, and then I see what you did with my nephew Chance, who was 12 and 13, and he comes out of your courses saying, wow, I feel so much better. I just have a, you know, and it wasn't just about him being stronger or faster or quicker. It was about him feeling sh- stronger mentally because he w- had he had confidence and confidence breeds success. And you talk about these athletes that were in Boise and you can also say the same thing about people in your, you know, your aging athlete course is that we are becoming a better version of ourselves in more ways than, uh, again, that box jump doesn't matter. But what does matter is that I don't look at somebody and go, man, you, you, you're worthless because you don't work out. That's a terrible way of thinking. I look at him and go, I know that there's a better way out there. There's other things you can do. It's not my area to preach to you to do that, but it's awesome knowing that we can all have that opportunity to become a better version of ourselves become a better athlete become a better parent become a better business person become a better hunter and in your case you're you're working hard every day to become a better trainer by no means are you the best trainer in the world and you don't have that attitude by no means do you know everything and you don't have that attitude and that in my opinion is the secret being a sponge keeping your mouth shut which I have a hard time doing as people can tell I talk in a lot of run-on sentences stop laughing less becoming a sponge and learning. It's so important, right? And you do it every day. You're always giving credit to these other trainers that you're learning from. You could very easily be in the gym and go, I made this one up last night. But he doesn't do it, does he, Les? You're always saying, well, I got this from this guy. I did, I did have some innovation in this movement here. I, I have some credibility here, but you're always given that. And I think that is part of that culture because it becomes your, your thinking process. Would you agree, Les?
2: Absolutely, you know, I, some of the things he's come back with, he went to rubber band school once. <laughs> And that made it really tough for the rest of us, but one thing I would like to add that um, Aaron is an extremely good trainer. She works out really hard. Very good trainer. A lot of fun to work with. But you had indicated that maybe Matt, at his age, only looked like he's twenty-five or thirty. Aaron looks a hell of a lot younger than him.
0: Yeah, yeah. Good. On, Matt, Matt's and she'll like to hear that because she she is a specimen, and so yes, is he. And that's, absolutely. And you know Mia. She, she Mia's got those genetics. So without getting too deep into how beautiful and, and and hot Matt's wife is, let me just switch <laughs> up a little bit. And I don't want you to think a lot about this. Okay. I want, and, and here's how I'm going to set this up. As you walk into my studio, you can kind of tell who I am. I got a little Italian wall over here because I'm from some Italian heritage on my mom's side. So I got some Godfather and Soprano stuff. I got some duck stamps over here and some mounts because I hunt. I got some baseball stuff over here. I got some music stuff over here. So you can kind of tell where I'm at and and, and how I, and you've been in my house for dinners and how I cook and in my community or my culture. You walk into my house, you kind of see the same thing through my decorations. I don't just put something there because it might look good or to get somebody to compliment it. When I walk into your gym, I feel the same way about what you do because you talk about bells and whistles. Well, your gym's not bells and whistles. Your gym is a a, the best diesel mechanic in the world in the darkest shop in the world that can fix anything and that's how I look at it but when you start breaking it down and what I say dissecting because I love to dissect things I'm going to say some quotes that you are that I credit to you and I know they're not your quotes because you do give credit again with the author and the 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 original sayer underneath but I do a credit one to you and that's yeah man you get us to say yeah man and because that's the right mental attitude is yeah man you there's no such thing as a bad day, Matt, right? I, there's guys over in Afghanistan that are living in the sand, fighting for our freedom that have bullets going across their head that aren't sitting there going, "Wow, wow." So I'm going to wake up and have sore hips and say I'm not going to work out after I paid this money, after I'm on this side of the dirt today and I can drive my little Ford truck down to Matt's little gym, I'm going to cry about it? No. Yeah, man means get your ass up and let's go. Nobody's going to do it for you, right? I mean, is that what you mean by, "Yeah, man, let's roll?"
1: Yeah man. That's, <laughs> that's exactly Am what i Am I close?
0: Am I close to that?
1: <laughs> no, you're 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 right on. That does happen to be, my quote, uh, that's one of the few that actually does come from me. Kind of came back from my hot shotting days when uh, we would be on shifts that were some some of our shifts were 36 hours long, right? And so you're just trying to get through it and you're trying to sort of motivate yourself and your crew. And I did get to the point where, you know, I was a uh, Sawyer. I was uh, the lead Sawyer. I had guys that were working under me and we were getting, you know, really tired trying to get through that uh, shift and not only a shift, right? But you've got to actually put the fire out and you've got to control the fire. And so you have to keep that intensity high. And of course your back is screaming and you're fatigued. You're, you want to just sleep. So kind of like Tony Robbins, almost that scenario where you're just screaming. Yes. You know, you're saying, yeah, man, I can do this. Yeah, man. And I realized that the more that we said it, the more motivated we got. So that just kind of took off from there. And I've been saying it ever since, but yeah, man,
2: I
0: love it. Yeah, man. Last yeah, man.
2: Oh, yeah, man. Absolutely. (laughs) Um,
0: There is no courage in defeated mechanics and you know who said that, and, and, and if anybody ever looks up who said that, I mean the guy's pretty special when it comes to athletic training in the country and and creating you know some badasses in the running world, right?
1: Yeah, Bobby McGee. He's one of uh, my mentors. He I'm very lucky that I've been able to work with Bobby. I've been his strength coach for his running transformation programs, and Bobby is the head. Olympic coach for the U S triathlon team. And one of the things that we talked about early, early on was no courage in defeated mechanics, which goes back to that whole concept of purpose of whole practice that we talk about. So, you know, an athlete running an extra 20, 30 miles a week, there's no purpose in that. If they're doing out in defeated mechanics which essentially that means, but I, I put that up in the gym wall because that really crosses over to anything that we're doing in the gym and anything that we're doing in life, right? So I like to have my athletes think about what is purposeful, both in the gym and out of the gym. And so that's why that's an that's an important quote to us.
0: I think it's important. Um, no courage and defeated mechanics can apply to any walk of life, which And I'm saying it again is this podcast is called This Life Ain't for Everybody. And I'm not ever insisting that it's about my life because I get to, I have to go, I have to go hunt. I I get to go hunt and I'm humbled by that. But there's doctors there's janitors there's pilots there's there's soldiers there's nurses there's teachers how important are teachers those walks of life aren't for everybody either this life ain't for everybody your life ain't for everybody the dedication that it takes to do what you do les's life wasn't for everybody busting his knuckles on 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 buildings and 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 a construction worker for most of his life very successful at it but that life ain't for everybody either so defeated mechanics apply to all, all parts of life. If I'm going to go out and drive, I want to do it right. I don't want to be texting and driving. I want to be safe. I got a seven year old in the back of the, I'm responsible for more than just me now. I don't want defeated mechanics in that. When I hunt, I don't want defeated mechanics to where I might cripple an animal or cripple or hurt somebody that's hunting with me. I'm always thinking safety. Defeated mechanics are way more than just bench pressing three plates and saying, man, I just put up 325. Yeah, but did you just tear your labrum doing it? Did you just, you know, pull a muscle doing it? Defeated mechanics suck. So when I read that, I, I read your quotes every day. The next one that I read a lot is whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're probably right. I mean, how awesome is that? I mean, that, that quote right there, Les, says it all. You, th- Absolutely. It, right, it's how you think, right?
2: That's, that's the name of the game.
0: And, and talk to me about that quote, Matt, because to me, like, if I own that gym that you have, I would never take that down. Because whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're probably right. So if I'm going to be negative and think that I can't do something, I'm probably, I'm probably right. But if I think I can go in there and beat Steve Miserac at a game of billiards, I'm probably right might not do it but if i go in there and think that i can't i'm never going to do it right is that kind of what you where you're going with that
1: yeah no 100 percent. you know if you're looking at my athletes for example i've had athletes that are in incredible shape they are re- definitely ready to become a champion in their sport but if they haven't mentally prepared for that then it's not going to cross over right so i had A lot of heart to hearts, a lot of talks with my athletes on their mindset along the way in their journey to make sure that they were as mentally prepared as physically prepared for their goals. I learned a long time ago that not necessarily my best athlete in the gym was going to be the best athlete out in the field. And a lot of that had to do with their self-belief. Right. So I think that most people have to spend a lot more time on their mental side of things, their mindset. Uh, Journaling is really important. I think that that really crosses over really well, writing down your affirmations, your self-talk, but really practicing that every day, just like you do your movements. So one of the things that I always kind of look at is, okay, you're you're spending, you know, maybe 10 hours a week training for something but how many of those hours are spent mentally, right? So physical training is there, but are you spending any time on the mindset? So I love to see my athletes be able to get as mentally strong, as physically strong, if not stronger. And again, you look at somebody like Gabby Williams, she's very humble athlete, um, very, very talented, obviously. But despite how humble she is, she believes in herself 100%. And there's nothing wrong with that right and i think that in our society today a lot of people have trouble really accepting the fact that it's so it's okay for them to believe that they are better or can be better than their peers or the people around them just because you're a good person doesn't mean that you can't outperform other people and still be a good sportsman about it, right? It's how you handle yourself. It's how you operate yourself in those moments. In other words, be a humble athlete be a respectful athlete, but know that in your mind, know that you deserve to be the best one out there, right? Or obviously it can cross over to anything in life. It doesn't have to just be about sports. So anything. being the best you know, father you can be, being the best business owner that you can what,
0: be. What other way is there?
1: Right. There's what, I no mean, truly,
0: way. I mean, you think about it and, and I, and I and attribute a lot of that to sports growing up and, and getting that, that discipline. My dad, and my mom taught me uh, as well as my coaches, which are so important as, t- as well as teachers. But, and I, and I'm not interrupting you. I just want to make sure that people understand that what else, why, why go another route? And when you say that you have to have that confidence in our communities and in our society, we, there might not be that, that approach anymore. Our approach has become oh really you're in the gym and you're working out oh you're in love and you and you and you feel good about yourself or oh you're successful and you have a a thriving business i'm going to hate on you i'm going to throw rocks at things that shine like that's a quote from taylor swift and it's always stuck with me is that you're shining and you're happy and you're successful and and instead of me waking up and going I gotta get there, I wanna get there. I wanna be a better version of myself. I wanna be better for my daughter. I wanna be here for a long time. I sit there and pick up rocks and throw them at you and try to knock you off of your ladder. And I'm always like, well, Lil Wayne said, if you wanna get to my level, you better buy a rocket ship. Well, think about his approach. He's a very successful rapper and he's signed huge deals with tons of people and he's making a living. We might not agree with everything he says or does, but I'm not gonna hate on the man because he's successful. And I probably would need a rocket ship to get on him or Eminem's level as a rapper. I have that approach every day is, hey, you're going to keep up with me. You better get in a Lamborghini. You want to get to my level, you better buy a taller ladder. Not in an arrogant way, but hey, I'm going to wake up just as early as you, if not earlier, and I'm going to go to work. Because my dad always taught me, Matt, you're put on this earth to work. Les would agree with that. We are here to work. Yeah, we have families. And we, we got to love them. And we got to supply for them and provide for them. But without work ethic, all that stuff becomes impossible and it gets harder and harder the less you work. And I know you guys would both agree with that. So when I hear you talking about that, whether you think you can or you can't, I'm not going to look at you when you're doing it and hate on you. I'm going to support you and I'm going to say thank you for giving me some dedication and, some, and, and something that's going to help me become a better version of myself. That's what I take out of that quote.
1: No, I, that's Perfect.
0: Perfect. That's the first time I've ever been told that. That's that's how it's nothing
2: you hear in the gym.
0: <laughs> but but Les, you would agree with me is that you 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 somebody would look at you that's 70 and go, Oh, he's over there doing this and he's doing that and he lives up on the hill and he's got a big house and he's this and that. I don't want to be that guy. No. I want to look at somebody like you and go, good for you.
2: And you and I have discussed that before. There's always gonna be haters and jealousy about whatever amount of success you may or may not have. Some people um, just think it's great when you have a problem or fail. But not everybody. How terrible like that. is that? How terrible! Is it's that? it's got to be a horrible way to live. And that's what so. I love
0: about you, Les, is that you've never had that attitude. No, you you always there to help. He's always there to listen or talk or or I mean, you do come over for a lot of free meals. <laughs> and I love. But
2: I supply all the deer meat. <laughs> <laughs>
0: he, does, he does bring the meat, and we put it on the Traeger, and we throw down. But that's that's what I take out of that quote, Matt, and out of the training is that I could go in there and look at Joey on the on and what's the that treadmill deal that you use that we that you put us on and it kills us the woodway the woodway and joey's on that woodway this morning just warming up and he's he's like you know mike tyson with custom auto back in the day with his sweatshirt on and he's running because joey's a a world-class boxer i mean the dude's been in the ring with some legit stud like badasses he's trained with sugar ray leonard and a lot of mma guys and um seeing him on that woodway this morning i'm like man i want to say something to cut him down but I don't because it's awesome. Like he's 40 years old and he's rocking it. He's 77 and he's rocking it. So let's support each other and let's be like, dude, get in this culture. And let's, if you, if you have, if you have the time to get on your keyboard under a false name and talk smack about somebody, then you definitely got time to get your ass in the gym or get your ass out of bed earlier and go to work and become a better version of yourself.
1: Right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, that's why getting back to just basic things accomplishing These tasks that you have for yourself are so important because, again, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're probably right. So when you think about, say, a little goal that you have set for yourself, like getting a certain amount of reps in a set and you give up on yourself, you have to ask yourself why. Why did you give up on yourself? And if you can truly come up with the answer, you'll find that the next set you do, you'll be able to accomplish that number or that goal. And once you've done that, you can look back at that and say, okay, Hayes in the barn, I've done it. I've, I've accomplished that. So I think I can now, right? And I'm probably right. And I think that that crosses over quite a bit into the rest of our lives. One of the things that I absolutely, love about working with people is that it crosses over into the rest of their lives like they have maybe uh they want a state title in high school great maybe they didn't maybe they accomplished something in business that was uh, purposeful for growth of their business or something like that but it all comes down to whether or not the person believed that they could in the first place that is what's ultimately going to affect the rest of your life so when i have an athlete that i haven't even trained in years you know i haven't seen them in years but they're living a wonderful life i feel like wow that was really important that they were able to realize that they could, that they can.
0: That's awesome. I mean, and, and if you think about it, that that earlier discussion of the behind-the-scenes people, I know that you think about that. You have to, of the people that you've affected, and and in a good, positive way. Because a lot of them, like when I go to my mentor in business is, is Rick Reveglio, who's the president of Western Nevada, who is legitimately the most motivating person that I've ever met in my life. Whether he's speaking in front of five thousand people speaking in front of twenty or speaking in just front of me at a lunch while we're eating grilled chicken with dressing on the side. At fifty one years old he's he's the man. He's a beast. And what does he say about you? The same thing. He's a beast. He's the man. He can make you feel better. He's a magician. He's the wizard. He says it all the time. So the proofs in the pudding when you talk about that quote, it's the way that you dissect that quote again and attribute it to different phases of your life who you really are and who you're really trying to be and who you want to be. And I want somebody to look at me and go, yeah, I might have some downfalls. I might have made some mistakes, but every day I'm trying to correct those. And I want to continue to grow. And I feel in my heart and in my mind that I've recognized that at a pretty early age, five, six years ago, that I don't want to be somebody that somebody looks at, somebody else looks at and goes, man, he thinks he's all that. I don't. I want to be all that. But I want it to be to where somebody goes, Man, he's so easy to sit down and learn from. He's always there to talk about this or he's always there to help with this. That's more important than setting a record in your gym. And that's what I take out of the, the training. So our next quote, athletes eat and train. They don't diet and exercise. Talk to me on that.
1: Yeah, so we kind of talked about that in our education station today at the gym. But a lot of people, they're trying to follow diets, right? They're trying to hit a certain body fat or lose a certain amount of weight. And, you know, that sets them up for failure, right? You can't follow that for the rest of your life, especially if anybody says the word diet to me, I know it's not sustainable, right? So I want people to eat and train. I want them to listen to their bodies. I want them to pay attention what allows them, and that's the important part, what allows you to feel good. Right, So not everybody is going to eat the same way and feel good from that, uh, that particular pattern of eating or those particular choices. Right, So some people are going to do a little bit better off of a higher fat program for them or options for them. And some people a little bit better off of higher carbohydrates or higher protein, that sort of thing. But the important part is that all the macronutrients are in there and that the right choices are being made for that individual, their activity level and their body type. So, you know, you're going to eat a little differently than I am and less is going to eat a little differently than, than we are, but we're all essentially making good choices and we're paying attention to how those choices allow us to feel and how we can evolve Right Both mentally and physically i 'm talking here, so for example, somebody 's on a low carb diet, and they can 't think straight their brain 's in a fog all the time, but they 've just lost ten pounds and they 're super excited about that. Well, you know unfortunately, talk to me in six months, and we 'll see how you 're doing yeah. you know your your business might not be going so well because you 're not making great decisions anymore. something as simple as that was that. Was that a good 10 pounds that you're able to lose? And by the way, were you able to sustain that? The answer is always no, unfortunately, for people who do those kind of patterns and diets. So I look at just making good choices and realizing that you can't exercise a bad diet away, right? So you can't exercise bad choices away. So you're making good choices, but those choices should complement both your mental and physical uh, being, I've never heard you say that, and it makes so much sense. You cannot exercise
0: bad diet or bad nutrition choices away. Meaning that, again, you don't babysit us when we're away. I go and have the hardest workout in the world. I'm, I'm I'm going in and out intervals of 160 to 170 on my heart rate monitor, back down to 90 to 100. I'm having an awesome training session. I feel great. Then I roll over to the pizza buffet and I slam down 10 slices of pizza. It's defeating that entire workout because you really cannot justify all of that all of that yeast, all of that sugar, all of the stuff. And I'm not saying that pizza is a bad cheat or a bad cheat day someday if there really is a cheat day. But on a lifestyle choice, I love pizza. I love sushi. But I'm not going to go just wreck it. Five days, six days, seven days a week. I'm going to make it more of a reward for those workouts. And that's what I've taken away with it is that I, I'm not going to go on an Atkins diet and not eat carbs ever again in my life because I can't. I, I refuse to do that. But I'm going to live a lifestyle to where I'm going to make cho- better choices 85% of the time, 90% of the time. And I, I, part of my year traveling is, and I'm going to ask Les a question of this, is when you travel – I don't care how much you work out. I don't care how much of a routine you in, you're you in at your house. When you get on the road, that routine will be broken. Unless you have this, what we're talking about on this right mental approach is it's a lot easier to make excuses on the road not to work out, not to go swimming when there's a pool in the hotel, not to go, not to go and eat a healthy salad. It's just easier to go to Arby's or McDonald's because that's what hunters do, right? That's what travelers do. There's always an excuse. That's not the case is that – you don't have to meal prep. And I'm going to ask Les this question, and then I want to touch on with you, Matt. Les, it's, it's 5 o'clock in the morning. We're in Wichita, Kansas. We're getting ready to go set up 25 dozen full-body goose decoys, and we run into Casey's Market. And in that Casey's Market is everything from a banana to uh, a, a sausage biscuit to breakfast pizza slices to breakfast burritos. We, we've all been in these mini-marts. What are you going uh, to pick?
2: You, it, you want to pick the best thing for you, but you pick... The thing that you got to eat to sustain you for the rest of the day, be it a piece of pizza for breakfast, you just, it's, it's a limited time you have. you got to run in, run out, and you can't sit down and have a salad for breakfast.
0: And, and as, as, a, as my mindset has grown walking into there, I start to look for things that might be high in something, but maybe, maybe better for me in the long run. Like, let's say jerky. Jerky's an awesome snack for us. High in sodium low in fat but high in protein, low in carbohydrates as far as like yeast and, and, and really starchy carbohydrates go. Matt, tell me if you're with us in that mini-mart and you're not meal prepping, you don't have some Tupperware there that you're going to take your lid off with your broccoli and cauliflower with your lemon-peppered chicken breast on it, which I love, and I wish I could do it more, but we you just simply can't. I don't care who you are. I've been with guys like Brett Cannon that meal prep every day of his life. He comes on the road with me, and he's like, man, what do I eat in here? What do we eat, Matt? What do you pick up at that mini-mart when you, and you don't have any choice but to spend your money at that mini-mart that morning?
1: Yeah, so, you know, first and foremost, I don't believe that we have to be 100% all the time, right? So I think that if you're 80%, maybe 90% of the time, you're making the best choices. If you happen to be in that mini-mart and you grab that pizza like Les said, it's not gonna change anything. That's going to be fine for that time. But if it's a situation that's more often and you find yourself on the road a lot and a lot of times you're having to make that choice, so it's affecting you more than 10, 20% of the time, then you have to start thinking about making better choices at that mini mart. So, you know, piece of fruit, obviously they all sell fruit there, bananas, apples, or uh, you know, something that you can find at any mini mart, really there it's there. It's, you know, sometimes it's just that you're looking at all these other options that those donuts are on your way to the banana and you grab the donut instead. You just have to be honest with yourself. That's the way stores are set up. They're set up so that you see the junk first, the stuff that they want you to buy versus the good stuff that you really need. So, the other thing that i look at is labels right if you first of all hopefully you're not reading labels too often because if you are that probably means that you're not eating really well right so whole real natural foods that though that's the way to go most of the time but when you have to you're picking something that has a label on it and you want to read that label and you want to look at again a balance but For example, you asked me about protein bar, something like that. So I picked up on my way here at 7-Eleven, I picked up a bar for you called Fit Crunch, and I'm not endorsing Fit Crunch in particular, but it had more grams of protein in it than it did sugar, right? So that's a simple rule to follow. But a lot of times people see Fit, natural, healthy, crunch to go. And they're looking at, uh, oh, I've, I've, if this has almonds in it. This is good for me. But the almonds are coated with caramel, right? So th- that doesn't make it a good choice for you now, right? But you want it to be a good choice because it's called something that's, uh, healthy for, you know, in your mind, you're picking something that's healthy, but you're fooling yourself if you're not reading the label and realizing that, oh man, this has 21 grams of sugar in it per serving and only three grams of protein, right? So am I really making a good choice anymore? Obviously not. But the, on the jerky, for example, picking jerky that you mentioned, you have, um, Jack, jack links peppered beef jerky right here that we all are kind of chomping on and that's a great choice and you mentioned uh, high in sodium well I actually think that people are oftentimes too low in sodium especially if you're trying to make good choices a lot of times people are eating pretty fresh and they're actually not getting in a lot of salt and they think salt is the enemy it's really not we're We are meant to get in sodium, and especially if we're hunters, we're moving around quite a bit, we're using uh, that salt, we're using that sodium, and we're actually sweating, we're using what we're using uh, for a reason. We need that sodium, so you actually want to replace the sodium, and you want to take in... Uh, those uh, Jack links, you you might just want to have some additional water. So you want to make sure that you're getting in about a half an ounce per pound of body weight per day, right? And then uh, approximately 20 to 30 ounces or more, depending on how active you are per hour of exercise. But the point is, if you're drinking enough water, and you're getting in enough of your uh, macronutrients, then, you know, too much sodium doesn't really um, suck. You know, people think too much sodium sucks. Well, not not if you're active and not if you're drinking enough water, and certainly not if generally you're eating pretty fresh. You might actually need to add sodium into your diet.
0: And when, when you hear the word sodium, that's salt, and it it makes things taste better. And it's good to know that you know when you when you make a salad, you have some chicken. Put some flavor on it. You right. know, you know, put a tiny bit of ranch dressing on there. You don't need to put three tablespoons of ranch dressing on a salad to make it legit. Put a little bit of oil and vinegar on there and a little tiny, you know, and that's how I've gotten with 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 our relationships with guys like Traeger and Jack Links and really being in opportunities to eat bad all the time. I go to hunt camps all over the world, all over this country and biscuits and gravy and, and you don't want to say no every time. So you got to partake. Okay, but you've got to limit it, like you're saying. So when I do get one of these Fit Crunch bars, it might take me three days to finish it. Might put it in a Ziploc. I might treat myself to a little bit. It's got that chocolate taste, that sweet taste for people that have a sweet tooth. Boom! I got a little bit of it. I've gotten better at doing that kind of stuff. Right. But then I'll grab a bag of jerky. I'll grab a bag of peanuts. You know, that are a little bit higher in fat. They got protein on them. They're low in carbohydrates, but they have sodium on them again. Peanuts are good for me. They right. they, they fill me up. They give me good energy, ample amount of energy to get through my day. And my days start early a lot. And it's easy to go into a hunt and make mistakes. And if I'm not eating carbohydrates and I'm not eating the way that I see fit, I feel like my, my, my opportunity to make mistakes it goes higher. My odds are higher. And I don't want to make mistakes because mistakes cost you. They cost you financially, they cost you personally, they cost you in safety-wise, they can cost you in a a bunch of different ways. So that's when I read that quote on the wall is I don't want a diet. I don't want to ever go to somebody and go, I can't eat that, I'm on a diet. I want to be able to go over to my mom's house and she's like, hey, try a little bit of this chicken parmesan. She's Italian, she's proud of it. I'm not going to go, mom, I'm on a big-time diet, I can't eat that right now. I want to know that I worked hard enough in the gym that day and I've been making enough right choices that I can have a couple bites of that chicken parm and feel good about it. And that's, I think, your mindset, correct?
1: Yeah, and you just, you said it too, you know, you have a couple bites or in other words, you have the portion size that's uh, sort of justifiable to what you've done that day, right? So a lot of times people are trying to diet, quote unquote, they're not getting in enough of the fuels they really need and then they're starving later on and then they get something like that in front of them and they eat the entire thing and then some, right? They can't even stop themselves because you've put yourself on an, in a no-win situation. So if you're really satisfying your system, then you probably won't overeat when it comes to foods that are maybe a little bit off your plan. So you can enjoy those foods in moderation and not overdo it, right? But I've had so many conversations, I've lost count at this point, about people who claim that they're on these diets that are you know wonderful they're gonna work it works for three months and then finally your brain takes over and says okay i need more carbs or whatever the situation is and then they're having you know uh, an apple pie in the middle of the night and they don't want to admit that they've done that well that's what that's what happens because eventually your brain wins the war and says hey i need some carbs dummy right and then you're asking yourself okay Am I getting in the right kind of carbs? That's the real question there, right? So are we taking in refined carbs? Are we taking in starchy carbs? Are we taking in carbs that our body really needs? You know, so obviously getting in our salad, our fibrous carbs, and getting in good starchy carbs that our body really needs, like from yams and sweet potatoes, things like that, our body really needs, and and we can use that for good energy. But when we try to restrict ourselves too much from those things, when we do finally get a chance to have something like that, we just overeat it.
0: It, it makes total sense. And I've seen that a ton. You you, you come in from a... You, we wake up early in the morning and you prepare for your hunt if you grab a bag of jerky and a banana and some peanuts and you eat them a little bit throughout the hunt i don't find myself anymore going back to the lodge with food on my mind as much yeah i'm hungry but i don't sit there and overload my plate and just have to be slamming two plates of food and i think that portion control is huge in disciplining yourself and just portion control can get you in really good shape as far as aesthetics, losing that, that muffin top or that spare tire, or whatever the words you use that you're, you're fat, you know, you, you just portion control can help you there. So now I love sushi and I love sushi rice, but I don't go in there and just go eat pounds and pounds of that rice. I might just go in there and have some raw fish and really systematically think about I don't need to hammer this. It's at my disposal whenever I wanna come eat sushi. I don't have to act like I've been in a cave for the last six years and I haven't seen sushi. And that was my mindset before is it's, I, I'm gonna eat as much of this as I can, it tastes so good. Now it's easier for me to control it because I've made it my lifestyle. And I'm not saying that I'm perfect. And I don't wanna be. I wanna eat stuff that is good for me and I wanna eat stuff that's bad for me once in a while because I have to have it once in a while. And it's the same process is, I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that I'm not gonna to go to duck camp this year Matt and not have a cold budweiser or bud light and not have a glass of wine with some with some elk steaks. I'm going to have that glass of wine. I'm going to have that cold beer at the fire. I'm not going to overdo it. We know Stokers over in in Spain right now this wife eating rich food and drinking wine, but the way he works out, you know he's working out on his own in the morning, he's hiking, he's doing his thing, he's swimming, he's it's a it's a lifestyle.
1: Yeah, he just and, said a lifestyle of good choices is why he can be over there. And basically, I don't care if he eats that way the entire time he's gone. hes It's not going to change his whole lifestyle. It's not going to change what he's uh, created over many, many years Because he's of already good made choices. that commitment. He's already made it. Right.
0: So he can afford to go over and do that, which is a big part of this. Because uh, like I said before, I'm not going to quit going to duck camp. I think duck camp, I've said it a million times, it's the most special place in the world to me. I'm not going to quit, but at duck camp, there's choices that I've learned to make better just based on, you know, that mindset that we learn in the gym at Pendola every day. And, and, and to me, it's just as important as that 42-inch box jump. Okay. It's just as important as Jerry Rice catching a touchdown or Dwight Clark making the catch from Joe Montana back in the day. Yeah, he's known for that, but he was also known for his work ethic. If you go and look up Herschel Walker, who won the Heisman Trophy and was one of the best running backs in NFL history, maybe, you know, there's a lot of them in there, but – his workouts and his push-ups and his sips, that's what he's known for to me because he disciplined himself. And now today, I think Herschel Walker's probably in his mid-50s, close to 60 now, and you ought to see him. I don't know if you paid attention to him, but look him up. Anybody listening out there, look up Herschel Walker and look what he looks like right now. He goes to the University of Georgia and runs with the team and he leads them around the track with his shirt off, just look, looking like he did when he played for the Cowboys. So it's a it's a lifestyle. And We could talk about that one all day. And and as soon as you make that commitment and you say, you know what? I'm not going to diet. I'm not going to ever say I'm on a diet. It's just a lifestyle. I don't want to have more portions than I need. I don't want to eat more pizza than I need. I'm going to make it more of a reward for me. And I I have found that with my lifestyle, I very easily could weigh 350 pounds. And I'm not just saying that. I very easily could. And I choose not to by making the better decisions 85, 90% of the time.
1: Right, And I'm right.
0: going to continue to do that. So,
1: Yeah, and the, and the conversation about going to 7-Eleven, by the way, I'm just thinking about a lot of hunters in this situation or people who are traveling a lot. But I can't tell you how many times people are telling me that they heard eating fruit is bad. You know, eating a banana, I heard that's not good for me because there's a lot of sugar in it or something like that. You, you can have, you, you grab Gatorade, Right. And it's got all this refined fuel in it that you don't need, obviously all this sugar in it that you don't need. Or you grab um like uh, some orange juice, let's say. Right. And and the orange juice has all the sugar in it, surplus of sugar that your body isn't going to use, versus grabbing that orange. So it comes back down to whole foods picking whole foods your body is going to self-regulate it's going to realize after you've had one maybe two oranges that you've had enough of that orange and that's satisfying to you but you can easily drink down eight oranges when it's orange juice because you've gotten rid of the whole food right you've gotten rid of the fiber And now you're just drinking down the equivalent of maybe eight oranges, which you would never eat eight oranges in a row. So fruit is not bad, right? You just want to make sure that you're actually eating the actual piece of fruit.
0: Yeah. Like if, if, and you know, Gatorade has been around forever. And it, if, if you live that lifestyle of, of staying in shape and being healthy, 85, 90% of the time, I'll grab a, a, an apple or a cherry Gatorade or a red or purple Gatorade, and they t- they, it. it's not going to hurt me. And, and, and athletes, you see them drinking it all the time, and, and, and the choice is up to you. If I'm in the mindset that I want to, and we talked about in the gym today, is I want to get a little bit more lean. I want to lean up, and I do. This summer, before the summer starts, I want to lean up. It's out of duck season. I am I really want to lean up. So I'm not going to make that choice to drink a bunch of beverages that have, that are high in sugar and high in, in calories. My caloric intake is going to be lowered, mm-hmm. but it's also going to consist of food that is going to make me feel good and feel right and know that, hey, I just ate a piece of salmon. Yeah, it's got some fit fatty oils in it, but they're good. And it's going to make me smarter and make better decisions. And it, it, I'm not going to eat three or 4,000 calories of junk. It's just those kind of decisions and choices that are going to make you be able to go over to Barcelona where Stoke is right now and be able to enjoy that vacation and not and not be over there going, sorry, I can't, I can't eat that souffle because I'm on a diet. I don't want to be on a diet. I never want to be on a diet. So.
1: Right. Um, and, and, and by the way, when you're on vacation, it, one of my pet peeves, people going on on vacation and they want to know, uh, what they should eat, what they should do for exercise, right? You're on vacation. I don't, I don't go to the gym on vacation. I'm on vacation. Now, you know, uh, we're pretty active family. So we'll go out on a hike or something. We're enjoying, you know, the scenery we're doing stuff like that. But when we go out to eat, guess what we order? anything we want, yeah. we're on vacation, yeah. right? So give yourself the, those opportunities to you know, cheat, if you will, a little bit, because if you've done, if you've made good choices consistently throughout your life, then any of those choices you make when you're on vacation isn't gonna change a thing and you'll come back refreshed, probably even more willing to follow your healthy lifestyle right? Because you've kind of rebooted your system and you're fresh and ready to go. And you're ready to come back to the gym and train harder, right? People go away on vacation, but they're training every day in the gym while they're gone. They come back in, you know, they they might be a little burnt out. They didn't even get that true, you know, recovery that the body needs. So that's what a vacation is supposed to be for in my mind, right? Re- recovery, response, repair. Give yourself a little reboot once in a while and enjoy your time off.
0: And, and you can do that by making those right decisions, 85 90%, you know, most of the time. And, and I, I think you In I know you've said this to me, and I know that you're envious about this part of Les's lifestyle or my lifestyle is the ample amounts of organic, fresh from the field meat that we get to have in our freezers year round we're eating elk and mule deer and white tail deer and wild boar and halibut and ducks and chuckers and pheasants and things that are we harvest them we butcher them and process them and then we prepare them and then we feed them to our friends and family that bounty and i've had you over to wild game feeds les is here for him all the time stoker and his wife that might necessarily agree with the hunt. They don't agree necessarily with the hunting lifestyle. Right. His wife walked up to me and said, this is some of the best food I've ever eaten And they're world travelers that not about my cooking. Cause several people were cooking that night, but wild game and th- what we get to take from the field to fork.
1: It's pretty awesome. Right. Oh, I was so good. I, I, I absolutely was amazed actually at how good the food was that night. And like you said, it's just getting back to the basics. You're eating good, healthy foods that come from your passion which i think makes it taste even better
0: not pumped with steroids not pumped with enzymes i mean we when you eat an elk tenderloin or an elk backstrap and i know you know cameron cameron haynes is big in our industry he's a huge elk hunter my brother clay is a big time big game hunter and and lots of people in our family are and then you have guys like joe rogan who's you know the commentator for the ufc has an awesome podcast the joe rogan experience he's into archery hunting now elk and if you go onto his Instagram and you follow his feed of him preparing elk it's just like our kitchen and our back porch with our Traeger and and all of the different recipes that he's trying he's so amped up and fired up he works out he makes healthy decisions he lives off the land he hikes he jogs he's with his dogs he's with his family he's he's living a wholesome life and he's a enjoying it with wild game fair and he says i've never eaten a better piece of meat than an elk backstrap an elk steak i haven't either i mean there and there's a lot of wild game out there i dave stanley who who we had his son on john david stanley on one of our podcasts he makes duck that i would put it up against any filet mignon in the world and that's what i love about wild game is when somebody goes Man, that's gross. Or you had the mindset, like, I'm not eating that. I know people that hunt ducks all the time. Like, man, I just can't figure out how to cook them. Stokes' wife, you know, this is, I'm not going to enjoy this. And then the next thing you know, they're like, man. last year you agree, right?
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because all I eat is wild game. I I open my freezer and there's no store-bought meat in there. It's all wild game. Uh, And sometimes you go to these hunting camps that are uh, 10, 15 days long and you don't have much of a choice what you're going to eat. I mean, you eat what they set in front of you out in that tent in the middle of nowhere, and a good portion of the time it is wild game that they've harvested out there. So it's a, it's and, a good product. And, and,
0: and, and being a, a better version of ourselves is, is, is becoming a better preparer of food, in my opinion. I have a big-time passion for cooking and food preparation, and not so much as I just want to dig in and chow, but to know that we're eating healthier. We were responsible for that animal in so many ways as a hunter and a conservationist. And now somebody like Matt Pandola and Aaron Pandola come over with Mia, and they're slamming down some mallard duck and some elk tenderloin. That's pretty awesome. And I know that you're envious of that because you've said it many times. I want to go on a hunt. I want to have some wild game. Bring me back some of that. We had halibut the other day that my buddy Chris just brought back from Alaska and you, there's no better, there's no better food in the world, man. I'm telling you. So whether you're catching walleye or redfish or speckled trout or killing an elk or a, or a duck or you know eating grass-fed beef that hasn't been pumped with anything organic beef, those are some good decisions that you can make. And that's one of the huge benefits of being a hunter is that bounty that we get to thrive on. And, and, I, and, I, and I know that you enjoy it. And a guy that stays in shape, that makes his living, his entire livelihood off of being in shape. You can't go into the gym as a trainer and, and, and not look like you work out, period. I ain't going to trust you. Just like some people say you never trust a skinny chef. I know lots of skinny chefs that can throw down and cook, but I know a lot of big chefs that can throw down and cook too. So I wouldn't go into a gym with a trainer that doesn't look like in shape and, and probably trust his ability to get me in shape. So you have to look like you know what you're doing. Wild game helps us get there. Absolutely. Um, we could talk about food all day, and, and honestly, and I'm not just saying this, I'm, I'm literally like starving now after thinking about elk meat, but back to a quote, and I think that this is the most difficult quote to translate in the Matt Pandola, Pandola Fitness Gym, the, the sweat shop, the the garage as I call it, but tell your heart that the fear of suffering is worse than suffering itself and that no heart has ever suffered when it goes in search of its dreams. Think about, I don't know who said that. I mean, we could look it up, but think about how awesome that quote is. I mean, you can break it down in so many ways. And you know, that's, what's cool about being a human being is that you could read that and analyze it in the way that you feel. There's no right way to understand that quote, but Tell your heart that the fear of suffering is worse than suffering itself. Seriously, I mean, think about that. If you want to fall in love, there's a chance that you're going to get your heart broke someday. But it's so much better being in love for that time and then having to suffer through it than it is never to be in love in the first place. And, and that's you could apply that to so many different things in life. Is I'm going to become a doctor. No, I'm just going to settle back and I'm just going to do this. Well, you, don't be scared. The fear is really... The, the, there, there shouldn't be any fear in the suffering part. and So break that quote down for me a little bit, Matt.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, in part, you've already done a good job of explaining it, but I feel like a lot of people are, they're afraid. They haven't really put themselves out there. They haven't really taken a chance. They're comfortable where they are, but yet they want something better or they want something more for themselves, their families, their lives. And the truth is, when we look at anybody, yourself, less of course, people who have succeeded have taken chances they've put themselves out there. You know the more that I know about training and the uh, the more I guess our reputation has grown within my facility, the the less I know right uh, i get I get knocked down constantly by other trainers by other you know people who are maybe a little bit jealous of the success we've had or you know those kind of uh, things that come up all the time where we're really putting ourselves out there where we're preaching our beliefs and we're taking that chance that people are going to listen to what we're trying to teach at Pandola and follow that and become a better version of themselves, but there's a fear in doing that like myself putting out videos or books or putting out content where maybe there'll be a lot of haters right who say that oh well that's that's not the right way to do it that's stupid the guy's a moron what is he talking about and you know i've dealt with that a fair amount already from other coaches or you know like we say haters in in my industry and really I can't stop putting out information that I believe people need to know because I'm afraid of what haters are gonna say. I have to do it anyways, and I have to push myself to expand my horizons, and that's getting out of my comfort zone. So I have to live that, and I have to accept that not everybody is going to be on board with what I'm trying to teach or coach. But I know that it's going to be for the greater good. I can help more people if I if I do that. But it's a scary thing. It's a scary thing to put myself out there to be able to accept the criticism and you know humbly say okay that may be the way that you feel about it but this is this is definitely something that I'm passionate about I believe what I'm doing is helping people so I'm going to keep doing it anyway
0: yeah and and instead of being a hater and looking at it like oh Pendola doesn't know what he's talking about well just come to the gym for a month and tell me that he doesn't know what he's talking about that's how I look at things is like you're never going to prove to me that the man does not know what he's talking about. You're never going to prove to me that Les Nesbitt is not a good big game hunter, waterfowl hunter, dog trainer. You're, you can't, you're, there's nothing you can do or say that's ever going to change my mind that he's a unbelievable, like a renaissance man that can do it all. That, you can't do it. So haters are going to hate. And we, another quote that goes along with that one that I just read off your wall is, the only risk is a risk not taken. And that's how I've always lived is that every day that I wake up, I'm responsible for my livelihood, others livelihood, family livelihood. I don't clock in or clock out or work for the quote unquote, the man or any of that. I chose to go a different route with the entrepreneurial spirit because I wasn't afraid. I don't want to be afraid. I've been afraid and it does me no good. So when I look at that quote and I look at it every morning and I, when I'm watching Les hit the heavy bag, I'm looking past them because that quote's right on the other side of one of your heavy bags. And I'm like, I'm not going to be afraid. You can't be afraid to do things to better yourself, to better somebody else. You can't be afraid of what somebody's going to say. And I've learned that the hard way. And, and even in the little space that I'm in is that I've made decisions before, like, man, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put this video of me blowing a duck call out there because there's going to be somebody in Arkansas, surely that's going to make fun of me. And now I'm like, I don't care. I go, to, I go to Arkansas, and I hunt, and I have a blast, and I'm high-fiving and smiling and sitting around campfires, and I, it's the experience. I don't care if you're better than me on a duck call because nobody does, and that's the thing about hunting is the humility that it creates is that I can go out and experience the same thing that a three-time world champion duck caller can and never have won that title, but because my mindset is I don't hate you because you won that three times, I look up to you like, man, you're unreal. That's insane. So hopefully you look up to me and go, man, you're really experiencing it too. You're living the same life I am and you didn't have to win it three times. That's the right mentality in my opinion. I'm not on a soapbox preaching like, oh, you don't need to like, you know, criticize somebody. But Les has taught me a lot. And I want to ask Les is that you could very easily say, I'm not going to walk up 11,000 feet above sea level to shoot a sheet because I'm 77 years old. But when you did it, I mean, think about it. The, the achievement is there, and somebody might say there's no achievement in killing a sheep. Well, I'm not even going to go there with the haters on that and the antis. Less 77 years old, we're back at that again at 11,000 feet, and to make that hunt happen, you had to know that there was some fear in that, right?
2: There was, especially about halfway through it. You're thinking, I got to make it up there. I got to make it up there. <clears throat> we, I went up to 11,000 feet the one day, and I did. I looked at three or four rams, and they were too small. And that's not where I shot them. So I was up there. We hiked for 16 hours that day. And got up to the top, laid, laid for 45 minutes looking at the ram. They got up. They were too small. Went back down the 12 or 14 miles to the car. And then went back the next day and did the same thing in an, another hill. Uh, but, you know, your, your biggest thing is I hope I can make it. I hope I can make it. But you don't quit. You just keep doing it, you know?
0: And th- and that's what Matt talked about at the gym today. And I was, in, you know, Matt hates when I'm on my phone in the gym. And today I had a valid reason because I was really taking notes because I, 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 you do a podcast like this and you could very easily come in here and just talk. But if I went in to do a podcast and I've done several of them or a radio interview, I like it more when somebody has some research done and some some, some details of your mindset and what you're going through. And when you were talking today about... And and I'm not afraid to say it. Matt uses some profanity once in a while to get across to us in the gym. And I love that part of it because I'm used to that. And when you, I'm not going to use it right now because I don't know how old our audience is listening, but
2: he directs uh, most of that to me too. (laughs) He
0: does. He does (laughs) quit with the excuses, right? Just stop. There's no reason for an excuse. There there just isn't whether you're argumentative, whether you think you're a know-it-all, whether you're a pessimist, whether you're an optimist, there's no excuses. Just get up. And do it, and let's better ourselves and become a better version of ourselves. There's no excuse in this world that either one of you or anybody else out there in society can tell me you're an idiot for doing that. I yeah. I'm I, I, I don't feel like doing that today. I'm 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 you you don't deserve what you have. You don't deserve to be in the major leagues. You don't deserve to be famous. You don't deserve to be rich. Really. You, you look at rich people and people look down at somebody because they've made money. Do you know how hard it is to make money? It's hard. But with work ethic and some innovation and some thinking out of the box, you can achieve a lot of things in, in this world. And being an American and living in our awesome country, the best country in the world, we're able to do that. So what Matt said today stuck with me, Les, is just quit with the freaking excuses and get up and do it yourself. If you want something, go get it. Right, Matt?
1: Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, I think it's really important to say that I believe in tough love. You know, Less he got the brunt of that tough love today because, you know, he wasn't doing the protocol that he needs to do for his shoulder and I called him on it and I did it, you know, in a in a way that Less can respond to. My wife before has said to me, you know, quit being so tough on Les. Quit, you know, don't talk to him that way. He's like a father to you, and and Les is a father to me. And I definitely do that because he's like a father to me. You know, I I want him to to know that I care. But at the same point, if I don't give him that tough love, he won't respond to it. He wouldn't come back in if I didn't give him tough love. And as a coach, some of my kids they maybe will fold if i'm too tough with that love so to speak so maybe i have to you know curtail that a little bit maybe i have to change my hat a little bit until that kid kind of understands where i'm coming from but ultimately my my kids will tell you you know my coach hopefully they would say does will do anything for me right but he also holds my feet to the fire it's not just kind of babying our kids and babying our clients and making them feel like they don't have to accomplish something. They, they have to put in the work, they have to put in the effort. And if they don't, then we're going to call you on it. We're going to put you into that position where you really have to ask yourself, am I practicing what I preach or am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And if you're not, then, Hey, you know, you're not going to get a ribbon for getting second place so to speak, right? I don't believe in all of these, you know, I've got uh, I got 8th place in a race and I got a ribbon too. You know, uh,
0: participation uh, award. Participation no,
1: award. No, thank you. you no, know, no thank you. And and again, that doesn't mean that you have to be the winner. Right, you just have to be a better version of yourself, and you did win, right? And I just want everybody to realize that when they're in the gym, Les is trying to be a better version of himself, and if he's not doing the things that's going to allow him to do that, then I'm going to call him on it. But it's—I uh, do love him.
2: Yeah. Well, like I've told you before, that there's no hill for a climber, and I'm a climber. part. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's the quote that that I love right there. Say it again, Les.
2: <laughs> there's no hill for a climber, and. I'm a climber
0: (laughs) and, and being a climber, being somebody that doesn't make excuses, reaching for the best version of yourself is I I feel it's a responsibility. And I think that if more of us got back to that, of that discipline that our dad's taught us, you know, I feel like I came up in a great age of, of athletics, of education, of parents that really believed in discipline and, and, and being responsible for your actions. And I feel that it took me a long way in life paying attention to that. I wasn't the perfect kid. I wasn't the perfect student, 3.2, 3.3, but I, I applied myself and I worked hard. There's never anybody that would ever tell you, man, he was lazy or he didn't give his all. I was probably on the other side of that to where I went on a D1 baseball scholarship and probably wasn't good enough to play at the worst junior college in America. And I still got signed to UNLV, like my brother Clay did too, and the coach always said, I wish I had 15 Chad buildings instead of one, this guy, whatever. He always would say that. He also called me the worst recruiting mistake that he ever made, which is so funny. But uh, I think it's awesome that, that I, 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 he could say that to me and I didn't sink down into a hole and just cry myself to sleep that night. It hurt a little bit knowing that I wasn't going to be a major leaguer. But now because I took that mindset of never giving up and never making excuses. I hunt with George Brett. I, I, I hang with major leaguers. I get to go down on the field at major league games. Not rah-rah, look at me, but they, they, they are hunters. They do what we do. So there's that common bond, that common thread there. And I'm not a major leaguer, but I'm hanging with them, and I get to be part of their lifestyle, and they get to be part of mine. And it's because of those different walks of life that are brought together through being a good person, a better version of ourselves, being, being a pillar to people, that uh, that network is formed, and I don't make excuses for it. I'm proud of it. You're not going to hate on it and go, "Oh, da, da, da. I'm not going to listen to it." And I'm, there's no time for that right now. Let's all wake up tomorrow and figure out how to become better versions of ourselves. And we could talk on and on. This has been an unbelievable two hours for me. And, uh, this life ain't for everybody. It is for everybody. This podcast is for everybody. You don't have to be a hunter to listen to this. And our friends at Mountain Ops brought this episode today. Mountain Ops is an awesome supplemental company for the outdoorsman conservationist. Um, and, and their thought process intrigues me as well. And, and everybody at Mountain, Mountain Ops from, from Matt and Jordan to all of the management there, um, just a great company. And they're, they're, they could just be another supplement company, but they're not because their passion and their outlook and the way that they care about the people and their influencers in this industry and this lifestyle. I love everything about it. And let's have a little bit of fun, Matt. If I walk into your gym and I, am let's just say I'm a fly on the wall and you're all by yourself and you're training and you're, and you're trying to, and you're leaning up and you're getting ready to, to, for one of your Ironman events or something. What song are you listening to? Is there a particular song? Like I'm, I'm from that age of the Eye of the Tiger, man. I love the Rocky stuff. So I love that kind of motivational music. It might be Slipknot one day. It might be Guns N' Roses one day. It might be something a little heavier, a little lighter. But what do you, what do you like to get down to in the gym?
1: Well, I'm not, I'm not just saying this. You took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> Eye of the Tiger has always been kind of my song. I, I grew up a big, big Rocky fan. Sylvester Stallone was, was kind of uh, my idol and just believing, I think, in that whole Rocky story that you can do anything. You can be that underdog and you can become the champion. And so I, the tiger was what I always listened to before I raced. And if I really want to get totally jacked up, I'm going to blast that eye or the tiger, maybe uh, let the bodies hit the floor. You know, that's a good one. I like to get uh, that yeah. one going. <laughs> and um, you know, ultimately I, I definitely think that any, any songs that um, are, from the 80s. Are gonna get me going. I just I love the '80s. I love '80s music. I don't I don't care how corny it is. It just brings back the memories. And so I, I, I'm an '80s guy.
0: Because girls just want to have fun. Like this, <laughs> Matt, see, Les and Clay drove to Canada last year, and Les gets out of the truck and and he goes, "Your brother did not quit singing the entire drive." Home. And he knew
2: every, every song every, for three thousand miles.
0: And I bet Les would probably say that his work. I would say you'd probably work out to. Waylon Jennings, Merle Haggard. Absolutely. And Matt (laughs) turns it off as
2: soon as he comes in.
0: See, like, he'll listen to, I love Waylon Jennings. I love Merle Haggard, Willie Nelson, and Chris Christophers, all those guys from that country music generation of the 60s and 70s. And my dad put that in my blood. And... I could, I can't work out to it. I I love it when I'm done with the workout. I'll listen to Waylon all day long on the way home, but I got to have some slipknot and some, some fired up, you know, when, when I hear that, that, that song coming, in rising up back on my feet. And I hear, and I, I'm not a singer, but it just rising up back on my feet, took my time, took my chances. That's exactly what this entire podcast has been about survivor. When they wrote that song and performed I had the tiger and Sylvester Stallone back in the mid seventies produced Rocky one and went on to two and then the trilogy of three with Mr. T and Hulk Hogan and then four with Dolph Lundgren and, and, and going to Russia. Remember when he was carrying the logs in the snow oh, How yeah. ca- is, is an American kid growing up in this, in this war, in this country. You can't, but help not go. I want to be that guy. And that's what the eye of the tiger means to me is that it's not about being a world champion boxer, just being a better version of myself. I got the eye of the tiger. And if you look around here, if you look on that table behind you, Matt, there's two tigers sitting there. If you go in my house, I got stuffed animals of tigers. If you go in my shop right here, you'll see Rocky posters. And he's motivating. Sylvester Stallone, even though he was acting, wasn't acting in my opinion. That's the way that dude's lived his life. And it's 70 years old right now. He's in amazing shape still because he still has the eye of the tiger.
1: Oh, yeah. No, 100%. And, you know, even the way that story went, you know, he's, he uh, didn't sell his Rocky script unless he was going to be the actor in Rocky. And he was broke at the time. And he held out until he was going to be the actor in Rocky. That right there made his whole career. So go, going back to believing in yourself. Right. So, you know, he's a great example of that. And if you don't want to work out after seeing the Rocky montage, then you don't want to work out.
0: No. And you got to work out. I mean, if you're chasing chickens or hitting a, sl- a slab of beef in a in a butcher house in the, in the refrigerator, I mean, everything from custom auto to to, you know, cut me, Mick, and that, that entire storyline and, and what it means to American culture. I mean, I don't know. Uh, it it'd be tough for you to put there's there's classics out there like revenge of the nerds and caddyshack and the godfather and pulp fiction and movies that i got to watch and rocky's right there with them those three those first even four was amazing five and six got a little off track for me but they were still there i just think that if he would have stopped at four it probably could have been the best four movie trilogy three the first three aren't going to beat the godfather trilogy but the he would have had the best quadruple in the world of movies. In my opinion, he would have smoked police Academy. He would have smoked, but he went on to five and six and whatever. But I mean, just listening to that song and those words, I, we need to listen to it on the workout on Monday is, is eye of the tiger. And
2: guys, this Does I mean, Willie's not going to be playing.
0: Yeah. Willie's probably on the road again. <laughs> This Life Aid for Everybody, um, it's a podcast of all the different walks of life coming together and and showing that we can become better versions of ourselves, that our communities, our households, our duck camps, our workplaces, we're made up of so many different walks of life, so many different beliefs, so many different patterns, so many different thought processes, so many different passions. Think about it for a minute that we're not just because you do something one way, isn't the right way. Learn from others, be a sponge from others and better yourself, become somebody that is going to be somebody like Matt Pendle is that builds character into somebody builds willingness into somebody builds drive determination and work ethic. So Matt, you're my boy. <clears throat> I appreciate you being here. I love your wife, Aaron. I love you. I love Mia, I love what you do for our athletes, what you do for our class of the aging athlete. Les, we need to change the name of that in a hurry. Les, you know, already know what I think of you. You're invited to dinner at our pad anytime on our hunting trips at Hunt Camp. Matt's always invited. This life ain't for everybody, guys. I hope this podcast is for you. Matt, do you have anything to say closing out?
1: You know, just, I guess I would say that you never ever get to the top or get to your goals without help. And- the fact that Les is here today is a real honor for me because I never, ever would have made it to the level I'm at without his help. I can honestly say that my I have an extraordinary life and I'm very, very fortunate, but I would not be here without Les and that that's the honest truth. There was a long time ago when I was really struggling trying to get my business going and... I was hurting. I mean, I was living out of my gym. I wasn't making the rent. I was doing everything I could, but I was really struggling. And Les said to me, Matt, if you love to take out the garbage, I don't care if all you're doing is taking out the garbage. If you absolutely love to do it, one day you'll own your own dump. And he just just supported me every step of the way. And you know, eventually, eventually I found success. Uh, and what I was doing allowed me to grow and allowed me to build my life and allowed me to have everything that I have now, which is more than I could ever ask for from my beautiful family to my business and everything that uh, that has provided for me and for my family. And I am forever in debt to Les for that. So it's a true honor to have Les with us today. And I just thank you. For everything you've done buddy and that's
0: pretty cool right there and uh i'll let Les talk but and he wasn't even you know when we started talking about you coming on this life ain't for everybody matt he wasn't supposed to be here he's always welcome here but now that he sat in it just makes sense so less obviously you just heard those words that's got to mean a lot because the being the man that you were and <clears throat> i say this a lot is that matt very easily could have told you to take a hike that day when you told him about taking out the trash and owning your own dump but when we're getting back to what I said before, if you're a sponge and you listen and you care and you're passionate and you take chances and risks doors open and that opened a door for you. And it continues to open doors for us is here we are now 17 years later. And we're still talking about other things to do together, other hunts to go on other meals to plan, other vacations to go on as families. It opens doors. So don't be afraid to take a chance, take a risk. And that's what you did when Les told you that And 17 years later, you have the most successful personal training business in Northern Nevada I'm not talking about revenue because I don't know your revenue. I know it's good. And I'm talking about the mindset that people bring out of that garage every day. Les, you have anything in closing?
2: Well, I appreciate what Matt had to say. And uh, I was fortunate enough to be at his wedding and watch him grow. And he's a nice young man. Uh, And one of the reasons I wanted to, I started trying to help Matt the best I could, as I could see something in him, he had such tremendous dedication to what he was doing. To me, there was no way he was gonna fail at it. He just, he was 100% into his training. Uh, the, being monetarily successful was not his driving force. Being good at what he wanted to do was the reason he became so successful. And uh, it, like anything else, you gotta have the, the love and the desire for your, for your occupation or your goal to be good at it.
0: And like he said in the beginning, and we'll end it like that, as Matt said in the very beginning of this podcast today, is that he hasn't been to a day of work in 17 years. And when you can get to that point in life, it doesn't matter what your bank account says. And obviously the harder you work, that bank account's going to be better. But he's rich in a lot of lot of ways. And I see it every day, getting to work with his wife, having his daughter in the gym, having friends around him at all times. So not going to work in 17 years sounds kind of like, well, you're late. No, nope, that ain't what it means with Matt Pandola. Pandola Fitness has been a huge part of my life, my outlook, I appreciate it guys This has been an awesome I think we're over two hours Hopefully people don't turn it off in five minutes And they can take If it's just one thing they take out of this We did our job for the day But um, I'd reach across the table And hug both of you if I could Without knocking all these microphones over I'm motivated right now Let's maybe go outside Have a little bit of a, a bear crawl session Across my yard or something Guys, I appreciate it. I'll see you in the gym. Matt Pendola, Les Nesbitt, This Life Ain't For Everybody. Thank you to all of our partners. Uh, Mountain Ops was responsible for this podcast today. Look forward to future podcasts with you guys and ladies. Thank you for listening.